0: several sermons to preach today and uh, I had several prepared and uh, you know um, but as I, I got down to it I had two specifics and uh, I had given some to my staff team several, uh, earlier in the week and and I just couldn't go there because our world is changing rapidly how many have figure that out and I just can't stand here and just spit out platitudes of niceness when the world's falling apart you just gotta. You just gotta know where we're at. How many hear me? And so, I uh, don't know that I'm going to get done today, uh, but I will begin, and we'll just. The next time I speak, we'll we'll just start where we left off. I was uh, riding my bike. I ride bicycles on the Noose River Trail, and yesterday, uh, I usually either listen to the Bible uh, from my iPhone or. I have another program where I have a plethora of audio books uh, at my fingertips, and yesterday I found a book I had never read, and it stirred me up pretty big, and it was right along the lines of what I want to talk about today. It's by Matt Walsh, which is kind of an edgy guy. If you know anything about Matt Walsh, you ever heard of him? Yeah, there he is, Uh, Church of Cowards. Oh, my goodness. Uh, The first chapter was an allegory about some aliens coming to the United States and their whole goal was to kill Christians. So they went to church after church after church after church and the problem was they couldn't tell the difference between uh, people who say they're Christians and non-Christians and so they didn't kill the Christians because they couldn't find any that followed what they saw would be a person who is a Christian who should really stand out in the crowd and uh, that's how the book started and it went. From there, really strong. So, if you want a good book, it's in it's available in audio as well as a hardback. Church of Cowards. I dare you. I'm on chapter number four right now. I can't wait to read the rest. That's how I, far I got in 22 miles of writing yesterday. And then there's another one that I've been involved in. Uh, Eric Metaxas. You've heard of you've heard of him. He's got some great books. He he wrote a book. In fact, I listened to a message, a podcast. Uh, I think yesterday. I show it to you, Susan. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's the one that wrote the book about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's life, who was uh, uh, martyred at age 45 in, uh, in Germany right there at the end of World War II. And, um, you know, that was a letters to the American church. I dare you to read that one as well. And let me tell you something that he said there. Uh, his thesis for this whole book, um, you know, he is, uh, Eric is, is uh, a German uh, really, his his ancestry is immediately German. I think his parents were uh, in Germany and such, so he's very close to that situation. And um, and he, here's what he said about. Uh, Uh, Nazi Germany, Hitler, and and the church in Germany. And it's really astounding. Read the book, and and you'll get the gist of what he said. Um, He said uh, there were about 3,000 churches that went left and and decided that they wanted to support Hitler during... during the 30s, uh, just as as Hitler began to rise to power and before World War II, about 3,000 churches went left and said, sure, he's a great guy, let's support him, let's support our government, yada, yada, yada. And then there were uh, about 3,000 pastors that said, no, you don't want to do that, this is wrong, this is going to be very harmful for our nation and for our culture, you don't want to do that. But here's the crux of it was, there were 12,000 churches in the middle and here's what the pastor said. Well, you know, we don't want to rock the boat. We're not, we're not going to comment about it. We're not going to be either for or against. We're just going to be neutral. We're just going to preach the word, and we're just going to love people. They lost their nation. And his thesis is we're about to lose America in the same way. So there is a podcast, he was speaking somewhere, I think it was in New York City, it's 49 minutes if you have that time uh, to listen to it on your commute, you can look that up, Eric McTaxis. it was recent because he was talking about his book and uh, it was, was it good, Susan, I heard Susan on the couch yesterday listening to it and uh, while I was studying I thought Man, that's good, it's great. So bottom line is uh, we're, we're in a, a, a terrible peril in America right now and we really are just about to lose our nation. Did you hear what I just said? And, and it's not just about our nation, but as, as, um, as goes America, so goes the world. So we're, there's a lot at stake here to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, there's just so much going on right now that I just need to make some comments about where we are. Some of these things I've shared before, but in context, I need to share them again because uh, things aren't getting any better, they are devolving. Have you figured that out? And, and if we do what uh, the the uh, the majority of churches did in Germany in the 1930s 1940s, we will lose our nation and our liberties, and you will be seriously persecuted for what you believe. And the big problem with both of these books I was looking at, you know, yesterday and the day before, and such was, uh, you know, um, we're following the exact trail. That the believers in Germany were following, we were not addressing the things that need to be addressed because pastors are by and large afraid to talk about anything that's going to uh, push people off or polarize people. So let me say this again: I'm, not, I'm you know, when I preach, I'm not, I'm, pr- I'm ministering to you, but did you know I'm actually ministering to Jesus? Because he hears every word I say, and I'm going to stand before him, and and I'm going to give account for what I say. And so when he puts something on my heart. Whether you like it or it challenges you to the hilt, that's you. And what I'm responsible to do is just be the pipeline and obey God. Is that okay? So can I do my job today? So, you know, here's a statistic that's quite sobering. Less than 10%, it's really 6 or 7%, even of Christians have a, have a biblical worldview. Now, when I read something, that's according to Barna, uh, and that's quite shocking to me. I, So when I read things like that, I just feel such a responsibility just to preach and teach the Bible, just to let people know just what the Bible says about things and I've shared this before but Hebrews chapter 6 it talks about some of the fundamental doctrines of Christ that the church should be involved in preaching and teaching as they minister from week to week and uh, and the writer of the book of Hebrews says this therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go to perfection not laying again then he lists some of the fundamental doctrines of the faith uh, repentance from dead works repentance means a change of lifestyle because you've changed your mind about what you do with life right we need that in america today don't we and a faith toward god now you know i had planned i got a big long series on faith i feel like i need to go there again because faith will get you out the mud and faith will get you out of the problem and faith will sustain and help you in times of challenge how many hear me so we'll get there at some point faith towards god of the doctrines of baptisms did you know there are more than one baptism there's, sure, everybody knows about baptism in water. How about the baptism with the Holy Spirit? And there's also a baptism of suffering. Jesus asked his disciples, can you be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Yes, he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, but there was another baptism of suffering. Jesus had to go through suffering. Uh, to to obey God and give his life as a ransom for our sin. Then it says of the laying on of hands. Did you know there's a doctrine of the laying on of hands? Do you know, for instance, when Moses called the 70 elders of Israel to come and help him because there were so many people to attend to, he got those 70 together and, and by the direction of the Lord, he laid his hands on them. Do you know Jesus gave the admonition to the disciples before he left? You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover, right? And then Jesus set out, uh, sent out uh, um, uh, 70, 72 disciples, according to which translations you read, uh, in, in groups of two, and they went to minister on behalf of the Lord Jesus. And he sent them to, uh, uh, to preach the word, to cast out devils, heal the sick, to lay hands on the sick as well. How many hear me? So there's the doctrine of the laying on of hands, and then of the resurrection of the dead. Now, the thing that should give us confidence in life so that regardless of what we choose to do with life and what we believe, we're bold to uh, share what we believe, even if it costs us our life, is because we have the belief in the resurrection of the dead. We have the belief that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's one of the fundamentals of the faith, right? So see, what that should do is foster a boldness in us that whether we agree with our culture or not or see eye to eye with other people, we're kindly bold in what we say and what we believe and we refuse to kowtow to what is wrong. Yes or no? And so one of the fundamentals is the resurrection of the dead. You know, somebody looks at you and say, recant Jesus or I slit your throat. And you say, well, well, you know, absent from the body's present with the Lord, and you're in the presence of Jesus for eternity. That's pretty cool, resurrection of the dead. And then this last one, I read the whole thing for this, eternal judgment. Now, it's rare to go to any church today and find anything out about eternal judgment. But the Bible is really, really strong about the fact that there are lots of different kinds of judgment that will be enacted as we get to the end of this age and go into eternity where there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. I don't know about you, but when I think about the future and I think about the new heavens and new earth and the fact that we're not going to be, uh, you know, laying down somewhere on a nice uh, pad, drinking sweet tea and, and listening to some violin music in eternity, we're going to be busy doing something for Jesus in all eternity. How many hear me? I don't know about you, but that excites me. And the new heavens and new earth excites me. We're not just going to be in heaven for an eternity. Did you know that we're going to come back to earth and we're going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years? And then in eternity, we're going to be on earth. We're going to be in the New Jerusalem. And then we're going to be in heaven. And eyes not seen and ears not heard. It's not even entered into the heart of man what God's planned for us. Isn't that exciting? So I think about those kinds of things, that in the ages to come, he might show his, the riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 2, 7. Isn't that exciting? Do you ever think about that? Most Americans only think about now and what pleases them now and what feels good now and what will pad their pocket now and what makes their flesh feel real good right now. I don't know about you. It'd be wise for you to think about your future. Now, I've been in ministry since 1981. You have no idea how many people, uh, and I've done their funerals, but they had no idea they were going to die. Several that I have um, done funerals for over the years of of time since 1981, several of them died instantly. Uh, Actually, uh, tragically, uh, several were shot, immediately died. One guy I remember, he was in his late 20s, maybe, no, you know, I think early 30s, 32, 33. And uh, it's when we're in the shopping center, and uh, I remember seeing him in church, and and then and the next thing I knew, I got a call, and he was he was gone. You hear me? So so I'm just saying that li- life is, is fleeting, and uh, you just need to be aware. Somebody said you're not ready to live until you're ready to die, right? Now, see most 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 people don't think about death, but you know, on the other side of death's eternity. And for us as believers on the other side of death is a grand life that you can't even imagine. I mean, people that have NDEs, near-death experiences, talk about the things they see and hear. Whether that's right or not, I don't know. We'll find out when we get over there too. I just know what the Bible says about the future is grand. And we ought to be getting ready for it, right? So there is judgments that are to come. How many of each individual will be be judged? And that's what the Bible says. And that's the reason that we preach the gospel is because individuals uh, will be judged. And again, American culture resists the ideology that God would judge anything. But that's what the Bible says very clearly. There are judgments to come. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man once to die and after that that comes judgment verse 28 says so also Christ was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many he will come again not to deal with our sins as believers but to bring salvation to all who eagerly wait for him so the the truth is any person that doesn't walk with God is not walking the narrow way they they may face judgment and probably will when they die that's a challenge right For us as believers, we don't face judgment. Jesus took our judgment. Is that good news? But if you're listening online and you may be in the room here and you're not, you're not walking the narrow way and you're just doing what you want to do, just hoping God has mercy on you, instead of mercy, you may find judgment in your face when you die. That's the reason we preach the gospel. That's the reason we need to really deal with ourselves and deal with sin. And that's the reason the New Testament, Paul constantly amontist, let a, amontist, let a man ex- examine himself. Check yourself to see whether you be in the faith, right? So why do we do that? Because it's a challenging thing to think that after death is judgment for those that don't know Christ. So we don't have to be afraid. Aren't you glad? Jesus took our judgment. But you know what? Even us as believers, see, it puts a a respect for God in us. Because even as believers, we're going to stand before Jesus as the amplified classic Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear And be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, some people say Some people really believe what you do doesn't really matter. That's not what the Bible says. We're not saved by our works, but our works determine where we are in eternity and what rewards we get when we get to heaven. Don't you want to have some rewards when you get there? You wouldn't want the angels to look at you and say, oh, it's just you. Oh, it's you again. Because they've had to pull you out of the muck and mess you got in so many times. And you got there just as by fire. I don't know about you, but I want some rewards, don't you? Each one may receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and motive have been. And what he has achieved, been busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. I have read that for decades and it makes me think, what what am I giving my attention to? what's, what's, What's the most important thing? When I'm off by myself, what do I think about? What do I muse about? Uh, what do I want to do? What's, what's, the, what's, the, what's the path of my life? See, we stand before Jesus, and he's given all of us gifts and talents and abilities and skills. He wants them to use him. He wants you to use them for his glory, right? So, so you know, it makes me ask the question, am I using the gifts, the skills that God has given me? Am I using them for him, or am I just using them to bless myself, Right? And then nations will be judged. Uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 33, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the holy angels with him. Then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep, that is sheep nations, on his right hand, but the goats, that is Goat nations on the left. Wow. So they're sheep nations, Jesus said, and they're goat nations. What, what makes a sheep nation and what makes a goat nation? The obvious inference is the goat nations won't be blessed and the sheep nations will. Now, he didn't go into a lot of detail on this, but I've read, uh, read a lot of writings about this, and there are those who strongly believe that uh, the nations that will exist into the 1,000-year rule of jesus how many know when jesus comes back he's he's gonna hang out here with you for a thousand years isn't that cool a thousand years it's called the millennial reign of christ and many believe the nations that will exist during that time uh how many there's 200 and how many nations 50 something nations or whatever it changes constantly but nonetheless um the nations that will exist during that time will be determined by uh number one what they do with the bible secondly what they do with israel So no nation that uh, kicks Israel to the curb, I believe, will exist during that millennial reign of Christ. And any nation now that wants the blessing of God has to honor Israel. That's not a real popular topic, but it is a truth. How many hear me? I got a lot to say about that, but we'll skip it for now. Uh, And how many know that to whom much is given, much is required, and... um, um, I just read this yesterday. I think Abraham Lincoln's the one that made the statement that, and he called, listen, I I hadn't read this before. I skipped over it somehow. He called America the second Israel. That's odd. Did you know he did that? Because because we've been given a mandate to represent God, the Judeo-Christian ethic, and we were uh, formed as a nation because the people that came here wanted religious freedoms and liberties, and and that's the foundation of who and what we are as Americans. If we if we if we drift from that foundation, we lose our freedoms, we lose our liberties, and so there is a lot at stake. And now that we have made a choice, and it looks like a very rapid downward spiral to uh, do away with our with our heritage of faith and of moral purity. We're going down really fast. How many hear me? Um, There are some really loud voices uh, in the media and online that want us to believe, I believe it's propaganda personally, that America has rejected its Christian roots and uh, how many know I think it's propaganda and there's a lot of people ain't walking with God, no doubt about it. But there's a whole lot of people that love Jesus and want to do his will and want to raise their children right. And they want to live pure. They want to live holy. And they reject all this mess we hear constantly online and in the news media. Yes or no? And I'm in that category, huh? But listen to this. If we stay silent and um, and let these people lie and say what they want to say about, about what's important, uh, how many know? Then America will be judged. There are those that believe that America is right now under uh, under judgment now, and it looks like we could be. We're we're gradually losing the things that made us great, and um, we're gradually losing our liberties. And see, that's the that's the uh, that's the frog in the cauldron situation. We're gradually losing what made us great because of our compromises. And now if there's ever a time that we need to stand up, how many know it's right now? You know, we've killed 64 million babies at the altar of Molech uh, with uh, abortions in public schools. Uh, They're seeking to groom our children to be sexually immoral. Marriage is no longer a a given. uh, And the original design has been perverted to include uh same-sex marriage and i i think it's uh i think it's a stench in the nostrils of god uh, um we, we, in fact uh, if you look at what we're doing and where we're going if we really eventuate with this uh we'd be worse than sodom and gomorrah and they were destroyed you know so uh there's there's a lot going on now and it's time if you've ever going to walk with jesus right now is the time Right right now, so uh, Satan and the Antichrist will be judged. Revelation 20, verse 10, talking about eternal judgments here. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast, the false prophet. Uh, the beast is what the Bible calls the Antichrist or some kind of a global leader that will arise at some point, And then he'll have a religious leader that touts him as the person that everybody needs to follow. And he's called the false prophet. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever Uh, So here's a thought: Don't don't take sin lightly in your life. There's a real, uh, you know, there's a real temptation because of our the morals in our cultures. Just let everything go. If you lie, don't worry about it. If you cheat, don't worry about it. If you cuss, don't worry about it. If you do something, you'll think something immoral. you lust, don't worry about it. Everybody else is doing. I don't care what everybody else is doing. We're supposed to be obeying Jesus, huh? So, So, don't take sin lightly. Deal with sin quickly. I was listening to a guy yesterday. You know, all Satan wants is a little toehold in your life. And I've got several stories, but here's one recent in my hometown. Watch this. If Satan can get just a little, one little thing on you, one little compromise, he'll use that one compromise to etch his way into your life. And you could eventually say, I don't need Jesus. I don't need the Bible. I don't need all of that. All that's a bunch of junk. You don't think you could ever do that, but it just takes one compromise to open that road in your life. So it's likened to, he just wants a toehold, just one little thing. Uh, In my hometown, let me see. um, So I'm not going to name my hometown. It's a hometown. It is a place uh, that I used to live. And um, so as they developed my hometown, there was a lady who was quite a wealthy lady, but she was also a hermit. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So see if I do it okay. Okay. So, But she was a hermit, but she owned so much property in a certain section of of the town I lived in that any of the city fathers, when they wanted to do something, they had to make contact with her. And let me say about her, now this woman, now listen, you go into town, you're driving down, you got a new apartment complex, you got new houses, you got businesses and strip malls and, you know, newly paved roads and everything's pretty. And you got trees manicured and bushes and flowers and everything. But you get to that one intersection where she lives and y'all there is a pink uh i don't know what model that was probably late 50s early 60s cadillac pink bright pink and it hadn't been washed in decades and so it's sitting there with all the mildew on it and bushes growing up around it and then she's got various and sundry other objects in a in, in a yard that hasn't been cut in a long long time beyond that she's got chickens that are cackling and they're uh you know feeding on the stuff around the lot. And then she has some goats. Yeah. So you're driving through my town, it's like, what is that? I mean, if you're driving from out of town into my town, from I-20, the start of I-20 is my home, and you go straight through to this, it's like, what is that? Now see, that's what the devil wants to do in your life. You can clean everything up, be nice and pretty, but just one little area. I got you, buddy. I got you where I want. That's why I deal with sin strongly how many hear me the one thing we need to realize is we are living in a time between the age of grace and the age of divine judgment we're living in between we're right actually i believe we're started into the time of divine judgment and that's one of the doctrines of scripture it's very very clear in scripture that there's a judgment time coming and and that the, the truth is the time just prior to jesus coming it is actually a time of divine judgment jesus coming brings judgment how many hear me so we just need to be aware of those things. And it seems like, again, we've turned, turned a corner and things are rapidly proceeding to the end game, so to speak. So here are seven things you want to consider about life today and our immediate future. I don't think I'll get done with this. There's too much here, but I'll get as far as I can. Uh, number one, here's the first thing that I, I want to start on a positive. The only unchangeable thing today is the Word of God you ever consider that and one thing I'm really grateful about is when I was a very young man just before my 18th birthday I, I, uh, I gave my life to Jesus and I' never I've never taken it back, never and uh, and then I be really begin to um, begin to value the Bible I have I, you know most people like me, I was raised in the Baptist Church I've told you that so many times and, and went to church lots of times through through the month and through the week and it's just the way it was. But, but, you know, I became anethnotized to Scripture and to singing and to worship and to prayer and all that. And, you know, that's for the adults. That's not for me. And then as a teenager, I went my own merry way along with my friends who still attended church and did drugs. I mean, that's just the way it was. But when I gave my life to Jesus and saw the value of the Word of God, that it is ageless, it is changeless, it is timeless, and that it never fails. It gave me a rock that I could grab a hold of. It gave me an anchor in a storm. How many hear me? It gave me, it gave me really, really, it was a life raft for me. And uh, I found that the Word of God great, gave great stability. So, so now my encouragement, all of us, spend more time in the Word than you do in anything else. Now I was writing yesterday, and I noted again for the umpteenth time. I mean, I'm tooling away on my, uh, on my uh, uh, bicycle and, uh, and passing lots of people. And everybody I passed got the phone in their hand. I mean they're walking their dog or they're walking their kids or you know they're by themselves. They got their phone in their hand. I got I passed by people on park benches. They got their phone. Everybody's got their phone. It's like the phone, it's like the phone has replaced the Bible. Now, you know, it's got good points and bad points, but if you spend more time right here, then you now you can read the word on your phone. I think that's all right. Do you? Maybe those people were reading the Bible on their phone. I have a feeling they weren't got a sneaky feeling they were looking at tiktok don't you huh huh and instagram reels and all that don't you think i think that's what's going on but see the enemy's got an uncanny way of taking your taking your attention and finding a way to keep it constantly divided how many hear me so i i for me i want to make sure i spend plenty of time reading the word thinking about the word thinking about jesus say well isn't that a boring life not if you do it right no, if you want to sin and be like everybody else and do that, yeah, you'll be bored and get tired of it. But if you give your heart wholeheartedly to Jesus, there's so much of him to know and believe and understand and so many opportunities to share him with other people that it's amazing. You never get bored. I haven't been bored since I came to Jesus. Isaiah 33, 6, Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord's treasure. Wisdom and knowledge is talking about the word. How many know the word of God gives strength? Wisdom and knowledge, it gives stability. And so if you've been an unstable person and we're in the middle of an unstable culture, you get the word inside of you it will cause you to be a stable person instead of being moved by the circumstances and what looks like it's about to happen. You go right back to the word of God and what he says. And the thing that I'm so excited about in walking with Jesus in all of these years, this is my 40 almost 47th year of walking with Jesus. And the really cool thing for me is regardless of the circumstances around me, God never changes. And, you know, if I make a decision to base my life on what the Bible says, not on what the circumstances say, not what other people say, if I choose to walk by faith in God's Word and my my feelings, then I can believe what the Bible says about me, which is greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world, so that regardless of where I am, who I'm with, what circumstance I'm in, what nation I am in, and what challenge I face, I am more than a conqueror. I have an ability to overcome every challenge. I just don't overcome the challenge. He said, I'm more than a conqueror. Romans 8 37, right? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things besides that? God's promised to answer prayer. How, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, whether it's something Susan and I are dealing with, it could be finances, it could be circumstantial, could be our children, it could be our grandchildren, it doesn't matter what it is. God's got got a way of escape for you and he's promised to answer your prayer and meet all of your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So it looks like the United States is just about broke. It looks, look, looks like the dollar is about to lose all of its value. It has been the currency that other, other nations traded for uh, their commodities in, and all of that is changing right now. And I'm hearing all kind of voices say the dollar's going to dip, the dollar's going to fall, the stock market's going to crash. It's going to be worse than, it's going to be worse than the Great Depression of the 1930s. And they were hit, living the high life in the 20s, and all hell broke loose beginning with 1929. It's about to happen again. But you know what the Bible says? I've, I'm young, and now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed begging bread. But my God shall supply. all all your need according to his riches in glory by christ jesus if god's got to get some food in a in a in a bird's beak and and come to my front porch and and he's the drone delivering it so be it whatever i need he's promised to supply right so that's what happens when you just believe the bible how many in here believe the bible is the word of god how many believe that God's a liar? Nobody does. If you believe that the Bible's the Word of God, you also got to believe that God tells the truth. And He's promised to make a way for us. Is that right? So again, believing the only unchangeable thing in life is the Word of God. So Matthew 24, 35, I mentioned in our prayer time. By the way, we have an 8 o'clock prayer service. I dare you to go in there. The presence of Jesus will hit you, come and pray up before a service on Sunday. But I mentioned this, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will by no means pass away. Psalm 119, 89, forever, O Lord, your Word is settled, established, fixed, some translations say in the heavens Isaiah 40 verse 8 the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our God stands forever it doesn't change with the seasons is that good news and then Isaiah 55 11, so shall my word be God says that goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me void but it will accomplish what I please and prosper where I sent it Smith Wigglesworth said this, who was an English evangelist, died in the late 1940s, but had a tremendous ministry worldwide. He said this about the Bible, read it through, write it down, pray it in, work it out, pass it on. The word of God changes a man or a woman, you could say, until it becomes an epistle of God. So my encouragement, turn off the social media. In fact, at lunchtime, you're going to sit there and eat. If you bring your sandwich from home or go to a restaurant, sit there. And if you got your Bible on your phone, stick it out and read a passage of Scripture. In fact, uh, one thing I got from uh, Smith Wigglesworth, every time he ate, he would always, after his meal, whoever was with him, he would break his uh, New Testament out and read a, read a chapter of Scripture. Uh, Lester Sumrall, one of my mentors who died in 1996 at age 83, who traveled to uh, over 100 nations of the world, met uh, Smith Wigglesworth personally and he said about Smith Wigglesworth see these things really have have really affected me he said when he, he met him he was uh, in his early 30s he had been traveling around the world he went to England where uh, Smith Wigglesworth lived he was an aged man just just a couple of years before he died he met him he said he invited him into his house he said it was the most unusual thing he'd ever seen in his life he said Smith Wigglesworth uh, said have a seat he was kind of gruff and rough have a seat and he said, I was just reading, and he'd pick up, he would pick his Bible up, and he didn't, he just met there, and he just started reading scripture. And he'd read, he'd read a few passages of scripture, and then he would say, Young man, let's pray. And he would pray. He would pray for about 30 minutes or so. And then he'd say, Oh, I was just reading, let's read again, and read the Bible again. And Lester Summerall said, I thought this man was crazy. I thought he was cuckoo. I mean, he's hardly had a conversation with me. He just read the Bible, and we prayed. Beneath. And then when he got through with that, he says, Smith Wiggles said, Well, I've got to take my nap. Goodbye. It's time for you to go. He said, he walked out the door and he said, what just happened to me? But here's what he said. And i never forget this. I read this first. I was in my early 30s and it so affected me. He said, he said when I left that house, he said, there was something inside of me that had risen up. My, my spirit had buoyed up. And he said, I, I got something there. I got something from God there. You know what, when you get in the Word, you're having a tough day, life is not fair, people aren't nice, you know, and uh, things are chewing on your brain all the time. You know, it's nothing like taking the Word out and reading, and reading it out loud if you need need to, and have a season of prayer. Yes or no? The only thing that doesn't change in our world today is the Word of God. Base your life on it, and you'll, and you know what, you'll be transformed, right? Second thing, let's see how far I get today. Y'all okay? Number two, the second thing, great pressure is here to stay. Uh, I'd like to tell you, well, things just going to get better. If you go to a church and they tell you things are going to get better, I think you should leave that church. That's not, not, now in heaven they will, but right here, I mean, we got some pretty tough stuff coming. Listen, just listen. If you don't believe me, just listen to what Jesus said. And and having said that, we have great confidence that he's going to see us through this time, Right? So Luke 21, 8 through 13, he replied, don't let any, because they ask what will be the signs of your coming? What will the world be like, Jesus, before you come back? Don't let anyone mislead you, Luke 21, 8, for many will come in my name claiming I'm the Messiah and saying, the time has come. But don't believe them, and when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. That these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Now, that's happening right now. In fact, I have a lot to say about this uh, uh, Russia-Ukraine war, but I think I'll just hold on to it a minute because it's not what the news media is telling you. They're not telling you half of that. I will say this. The United States is not without liability in this war, and it's just about to start a nuclear war. Did you know that? We're, we're We're closer than we ever have been to a nuclear conflict. So you just want to think about that and be prepared and ready. And I've said this for many years. You ought to have uh, more than the next meal uh, in, the, in the refrigerator and cupboard of your house. Y'all didn't even hear what I said, right? right? You ought to have some stuff stored up. Because if the supply chain breaks and war breaks out, you just want to have something to eat. Uh, you know, people do crazy things when they get hungry. And it's not fun being real hungry. Huh? When both sides of your stomach are talking to each other and you have nothing to put in there to help them out, yeah. It creates things. You just want to be aware. So have some food, some water, yeah, yeah. Anyway, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines. Now famine, one of, one of the reasons for famine is not just a geological change but also war because people can't plant their crops the way they need to. Famines, plagues in many lands and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven verse 12 but before all this occurs there will be a time of great persecution you'll be dragged into synagogues prisons you'll stand trial before king's governors because you are my followers but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me go back to that book uh um a church of cowards the second chapter boy well, well it's the end of the first chapter he really uh, he really talked about um being dragged before others and sharing your faith and the importance of that. Luke 21, 14, so don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, Jesus said, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you, even those closest to you. Now watch this, your parents, brothers, relatives, friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you. Did you hear what he just said? Your relatives will turn against you. Now, I've said this before, but let me repeat it. I think that the LGBTQ, whatever else they've put on the end of that, I think that is going to be the number one reason for persecution of Christians and Jews worldwide. The reason I believe that is because we espouse the, what we call the Judeo-Christian ethic of the Ten Commandments. And we believe in moral purity and uprightness. And we don't believe in homosexuality, lesbianism, binary a uh, binary uh, uh, sexuality where one day you're a boy and the next day you're a girl. And you just change whether we God created both male and female. And marriage was to be entertained with both both a male and a female. And that is God's idea and design for procreation and marriage. Yes or no? I don't understand why it gets so quiet when I talk about that. You know what it tells me? It, it tells me that the prom- propaganda is working well. Because everybody's afraid to say what I'm saying. And if you're, not, you're afraid to say what I'm, fr- uh, I'm saying and you're a Christian, what kind of Christian are you? Yes or no? Are you going to be one of the 12,000 churches that will just be innocuous and you just let everybody be who they are? Well, God bless you. God loves you. God bless you. You'll lose your nation. You'll lose your children. Your children will go to school, come back, and they'll be dressed as the opposite sex that they are. They'll, they'll be a boy but dressed like a girl. They'll be a girl and dress like a boy. That's where we are right now. Did you hear me? And we y'all, we have got to stand up. Where in the world was I in all this? There we are. Oh, yeah. Uh, Your parents, brothers, relatives, friends will betray you. I think one of the reasons for the betrayal is uh, things are going to become so testy, morally speaking, that if you don't buy the diatribe that is spilled by the media and, and the online outlets that everybody's listening to and you're not watching all the videos that everybody's watching and saying what everybody's saying, you know, uh, then, then you're on the wrong side and you're wrong and then it turns family members against each other. Yes or no? But friends, if you don't stand up right now, you don't have anything to stand up for. Yes or no? You say, how long are we going to be quiet? How long are we going to be silent? Um, I'm getting ahead of myself here but I do need to say this. Thank God that people are boycotting Target. Now, you know, You may be watching online or you may be in the room and you're not one of them clapping and you're saying you need to shut your mouth. Well, I'm not going to shut my mouth because let me tell you what's happening. Uh, What's happening is there's organizations and there are are huge conglomerates that rule companies that are giving them money in lots of ways and they're telling them shut your mouth, toe the line, um, be a propaganda repeater and, and just keep doing that and don't worry about the people. They'll finally line up. They always do. Now, that's what's happening right now. Now, I don't espouse that you go drink beer, but I do think it's insightful that Bud Light went, uh, went woke. And I don't mind saying that in church either, meaning that they, they, they begin to tout the line of lesbianism, homosexuality, transgenderism, and all that goes ro- along with it, with all of their uh, regalia for children. And people, got ups- and, and people got upset about it. How many hear me? I just mixed up. I'm talking about Target now. But Bud, Bud Light had an advertisement about that. And they, you know, they lost uh, almost $30 billion now. Now, I don't think you ought to be buying their beer anyway. If they were depending on me to stay in business, they'd have been broke a long time ago because I don't drink. I don't drink beer. I don't drink wine, and I don't drink alcoholic beverages because I don't want to. Now that's the truth, right? I just don't. I don't want to. But again, thank God people are standing up and see. There's a lot of a uh, lot of these big conglomerates and the organizations that are owned by these these big huge uh, multinational organizations. There's a huge pressure for them to comply with what they want, and and to and to you know. And to spout the, um, just spout the things that are um, against everything you think, believe, and feel. And uh, see, again, if we say nothing, they win. But there's more that are with us than are with them. Did you hear what I just said? And now's the time to stand up. And furthermore, can I just talk a minute? You know, I had a couple leave here, I don't know, it's been years ago now. I had a couple leave here because they found out we have our 501c3 status with the Eternal Revenue Service. And so here's what they thought. They thought, if you're listening, you were wrong. They never even come talk to me. Well, because you have your 501c3 status, then you can't talk about stuff. Who said? That is, you can't talk about politics. You can't talk about all of these other things that people are dealing with. You just need to stick to reading your Bible and talking about God being love. Well, I am going to read my Bible and I'm going to talk about God being love, but I'm going to talk about the standards of the Word of God as well. And where the rubber meets the road is what you need to hear, Right? So I'm challenge, I, I challenge any pastor that's doing what I do, and you preach on Sundays, you preach several times a week. I have a podcast, I have a blog. Man, use, use your platform to share the truth of God's word because people are slumbering and they're asleep and they need to wake up. And the reason they don't wake up is because they're afraid. And they're afraid because their leader won't do anything about it. And it's just time to do it. So again, Jesus said here, even those closest to you, your brothers, your relatives, your parents, your friends will betray you. They even kill some of you. And it, what's this? Everyone will hate you because you are my followers. Wow! I mean, wow, y'all. But not a hair of your head will perish. <laughs> By standing firm, you'll win. You'll win your souls. So again, you know, what are we going to be about? Uh, are, are we about winning a popularity contest? Do you want a, a lots of likes? You know what? I, I do some things on purpose. I, <laughs> I've just put a couple of um, uh, links on my uh, Facebook page just just to see what happens. You know what I'm, and I've put these there the last couple of days. You know what I notice? Hardly anybody will go like, love, share. You know what happens? It just sits there. Anybody going to look at me? Everybody going to look at what Mitch put on on his Facebook page? And nobody will even admit it's there. You know why? They're afraid to look at it. They're afraid to let people know they look at it. it, it, Because it's not going going with the normal flow of media. It's going against the tide. And as long as you're that way, as long as you won't share things that are important and that will change somebody's life, our nation will continue the downward spiral. But if we're going to speak truth, live truth... You're going to be persecuted for the truth. I personally don't care if Facebook takes me off. I'm not living for Facebook. And I'm not living for the likes on Facebook. Did you hear me? I think it's, a, I think it's owned by the CIA anyway. Probably shouldn't have said that on, on the video. I think it's a psyops. I'm not kidding. I do. I've read enough. I do. They're checking you out. Boy, I'm meddling now don't don't be don't be filling out all those little all those little questionnaires all they're doing is putting check by your name your date of birth when you were married how many children you got how many countries you've lived in where you've traveled and what you do how you live what you like what you don't like and they're sending that to all the advertisers and they're keeping an, a big queue on you so if they ever got a problem with you somebody knocks on your door says you can say come in well I'm with such-and-such such federal agency, and I've noticed this. And how did they find out? Because you're stupid enough to fill out their stuff. <laughs> don't be doing that. How many hear me? And so, yeah, I do stuff on Facebook, but not a whole lot. I share Scripture. I share my ministry stuff. Every once in a while, I'll put a picture or two of my grandkids. I don't even like to do that anymore because I know what's going on behind the scenes. Did you hear me? We're in a really dangerous time, and... Um, what looks like truth isn't truth. Did you hear me? And uh, and there's lots of compromises around. You just need to be aware of the times we're living in. I don't see that getting any better, but what I do see is God doing some amazing things through the church. I can't wait to get to that portion of this, but let me read this, Luke 21. 25, Jesus said this, there'll be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars upon the earth. There'll be distress, trouble, anguish of nations in bewilderment, perplexity without resources, left wanting, embarrassed in doubt, not knowing which way to turn. At the roaring, the echo and tossing of the sea, men swooning away or expiring with fear and dread and apprehension and expectation of the things that are coming on the world. <sighs> For the very powers of the heavens will be shaken and caused to totter. And then, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great, transcendent, and overwhelming power and all kingly glory, majesty, and splendor. Now, when these things begin to occur, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption or deliverance is drawing near. Isn't that awesome? So in the middle of all the mess, we, yes, we're going to face persecution. It's going to rise up. Things are not going to get better. That's my point number two. But uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are still true. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will. What will he do? Direct your path. And Jesus said it, seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew six thirty three. 33 is righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Food, clothing, shelter, sustenance. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. How many hear me? Now I got a whole lot to say, but I think I'll start with point three next time because I'll go a long way if I go there because there's a lot to say in point three. Bottom line is the world is changing. And God wants us to be aware of the changes and as never before, stand up, get a backbone and say what needs to be said in a loving, kind way. Don't be fussing with people. Don't be cussing them out. Don't be using their slang terms. Be nice, kind, winsome, gracious, loving, but real and honest. And that's what we need today. We're losing our nation, y'all. And the only thing necessary, uh, what's the guy that said that So and is quoted so often? The only thing necessary for uh, uh, evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing, so... If you just want things to continue to downward spiral, do nothing. Do nothing. Be part of the problem. But if you want to be part of that answer, stand up. Get a backbone. Pray. Seek God. And you know what? God will do something big through you. He can transform your children, your grandchildren. He can transform your neighborhood. He can transform the city of Raleigh. How many believe it? He can transform the school system if we'll just stand up. Stand up. And be a believer and be who God called us to be. Yes or no?